Hello, I'm Patricia. This is Sound News broadcasting from the Old Man Studio in Church Street, Portadown. This production is for weekending the 6th of March. On behalf of everyone here on the Craigavon Talking Newspaper team, welcome to this week's programme. The stories making the headlines this week are from the Portadown Times, Demand for Action Over Brownstown Park Issues, and from the Lurgan Mail, Transgender Flag Plan Would Not Fly. And it's over to Ken who's bringing you our first story. Demand for Action Over Brownstown Park Issues. Two Portadown councillors have called for a detailed explanation as to why the people of Brownstown are not getting a good service from Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavon Borough Council. Councillor Darren Cosby said he was loath to bring this issue to the council's monthly meeting, but given the lack of solutions to the problem over the past seven years, he felt he was left with no choice. The DUP representative told the Chamber how residents are being locked out of and in some cases into Brownstown Park and noted the trouble this causes for local sports teams, children and local businesses. He also called on Council's Chief Executive, Roger Wilson, to find a permanent solution to the problem. We have had an absolute nightmare with this situation and quite honestly, the people using Brownstown Park are not getting a good service from this council, he said. Yesterday... That's Sunday, February the 27th. I had several phone calls telling me the park gates had not been open at all. It was only the main drive-in gate, drive gates that had been opened. That is hugely inconveniencing for some older residents who use the park as a cut-through to the town centre. Thanks to a service-level agreement I have with council through my own place of work, I took my own key and personally went and opened every gate myself. In the park, there was glass smashed all over it, and that includes a play park. It has not been inspected or cleaned and was unsafe for drivers and children. And quite honestly, it was filthy. I find myself, for the third time in the space of 10 days, having a conversation with the chief executive and heads of service about it. It is unacceptable that others are having to step in and fulfil council's role, he said. Ratepayers are paying for this park, and it would not happen in Eden Villa. Far from it, but it seems that anything outside of Eden Villa is neglected compared to it. It's about time that we had staff in the parks, and it is their sole job and responsibility to look after everything inside the gates of the park. And if that can't be done by this council, I think the only option is to get someone else to do it. Council's Chief Executive Roger Wilson said Councillor Cosby had provided a fairly graphic overview of the situation. It is not an acceptable situation that we are in and should not be happening. I am sorry for what is going on, said Mr Wilson. In terms of next steps, I have asked for the matter to be addressed. There needs to be a short-term solution that deals with the immediate situation and also a longer-term response that will take a bit of time to work through but I have asked for a short-term solution to be implemented. We are about providing public services, and that is our core function and purpose. That is the way we are taking it forward, and we will keep the members in that area updated. Alderman Sidney Anderson said that to see the place locked up and people being locked in is a downright disgrace. I would expect a full report to come back detailing where the failure occurred and a guarantee it won't happen again. 
It is not acceptable, and I support Councillor Cosby wholeheartedly. Council's Chair, Alderman Glenn Barr, described the park as a fantastic sports area and said the issue needs resolved. Transgender flag plan would not fly. Accusations of electioneering and bad governance flew where the transgender flag will not after councillors voted down an alliance proposal for want of an established policy. Councillor Ian Tennyson had asked that Armagh City, Bambridge and Craigavon Borough Council fly the transgender flag and light its civic, civic buildings in pink and purple on International Transgender Day of Visibility. 31st of March, as a gesture of solidarity with a marginalised community. However, officers told the local authorities' recent February meeting that while costs were not prohibit prohibitive and the council's buildings could be lit as proposed, should members agree, the council would have to draft and agree a special policy relating to the flying of the transgender flag and approving such a policy in time for March 31st would be challenging. During the, at times, contentious debate that followed, the DUP's councillor, Darren Crosby, one of a majority in favour of adhering to current policy, declared, we have not had a row about flags in this chamber until the Alliance Party arrived. Having accepted the difficulty in establishing specific policy in time, Mr Tennyson, seconded by party colleague, Councillor Peter Lavery proposed instead that the council lights its buildings and the flag transgender flag and sorry and fly the transgender flag on Transgender Day of Remembrance Sunday November 20th stressing he had nothing against the proposal the UUP's Alderman Jim Spears said it would be wrong to support it nonetheless from a procedural point of view I would propose we adhere to the current policy which does not involve the flying of any particular flag for any particular grouping, he said. Each group is entitled to equal rights and equal opportunities, but it would be inappropriate to embark on a policy like this. The DUP's councillor Mark Baxter <coughs> seconded his amendment. Mr Crosby, Cosby exclaimed Mr Tennyson was simply electioneering, adding... Councillor Tennyson's proposal is asking us to make a decision and hope the policy comes in the meantime. That is bad governance. It is immature and it is actually terrible political. Sinn Féin's councillor Liam Mackell thought a transgender flag policy would work the same way as its existing pride flag policy. I'm really shocked and saddened by the approach of the UUP, he said. If this is brand new Doug Beatty UUP, I am really quite shocked and I am sure he would be too. Alderman Spears maintained his position. Currently, there is no such policy, he said. And personally, I believe it is procedurally wrong at the whim of a couple of members to do this. I have an issue with the fact that there could be another group next month, the following month, and on and on, and I think that is procedurally wrong. With regards lighting up the building, we have a practice that has operated effectively. That is a proper procedural manner, and I am not in any way making any comment against the grouping. Every part of society is entitled to an equal opportunity. Don't try to twist things. 
Mr Tennyson sought to raise a point of order, noting that an amendment must not be a direct negative, but it being at his discretion, Lord Murr, Alderman Glenn Barr, concluded the amendment was not a direct negative, as it removed just part of the proposal. Alderman Spears' amendment passed, with the 22 DUP and UUP members present voting in (coughs) favour, along with Councillor Paul Berry. The 17 Alliance, SDLP and Sinn Féin members present voted against. The request to light the council's civic buildings will now go to the Lord Mayor's office and then on to party group leaders for a decision in line with policy. Rota Chemist. During the week ahead, urgent prescriptions will be dispensed at the following addresses beginning with Portadown. On Sunday the 6th of March, the chemist is Gordon of High Street, which is open from 11 until 12. Next week from Monday the 7th, the chemist is Partridge of West Street, which is open until 7. Over in Largan, on Sunday, the chemist is Boots of High Street, which is open from 7 until 8pm. Next week from Monday the 7th, the chemist is McKeagney of Edward Street, which is open until 7pm. There is no rota chemist in Portadown after Wednesday, and there is no rota chemist in Lurgan on Wednesday and none in either town on a Saturday, with Sunday opening applying in both towns for public holidays. And now crime news. New claims on O'Hagan killing. Renewed calls have been made for an independent international investigation into the murder of County Armagh journalist Martin O'Hagan. Mr O'Hagan, who lived in Lurgan, was shot dead by the Loyalist Volunteer Force as he walked home in September 2001. Tuesday night's BBC Spotlight programme claimed police were given the names of the people involved in his murder within 24 hours of the shooting, but did not act on the information. According to the programme, an insider known as Witness A met two detectives soon after the murder. It is understood he said he had been contacted and asked to go to a yard in Lurgan to help as the murder gang got rid of the getaway car and other items. It is understood the witness named individuals he claimed were involved. The yard was not searched and no one was arrested on foot of the information. According to Spotlight, there are fresh claims by the O'Hagan family that state informers had a role in the murder and have been protected from prosecution. The O'Hagan's lawyer, Nal Murphy of KRW Law, said it was inconceivable that police in 2001 were given names, addresses and roles played and nothing was done. The O'Hagan family is now suing the PSNI and the Ministry of Defence. Papers filed with the High Court claim Army Army Intelligence knew Martin O'Hagan was going to be killed and the security forces did nothing to prevent it. Seamus Dooley, NUJ Assistant General Secretary, said the NUJ has consistently called for an independent international investigation into the murder of Martin O'Hagan. These latest claims will reinforce the belief of so many people that Martin O'Hagan's murder had not been properly investigated because of collusion at a very high level between those who are responsible for the murder and those responsible for upholding law and order. The Spotlight team raise new questions and provide fresh impetus to our demand for a genuinely independent investigation of Martin O'Hagan's murder. There are fundamental issues which must be addressed and which cannot be swept under the carpet. 
Detective Chief Superintendent Rowan Moore, Head of Police Service of Northern Ireland's Legacy Investigation Branch, said, I fully appreciate and acknowledge the suffering still being experienced by the family and friends of journalist Martin O'Hagan, who was brutally murdered in Lurgan on the 28th of September 2001. I want to reassure his family and loved ones that the police investigation remains open. Martin's murder was the subject of a thorough police investigation in 2001 and again in 2007 that resulted in the arrest and questioning of a large number of suspects. The investigation currently sits within the caseload of Legacy Investigation Branch for future review in accordance with our case sequencing model. Regrettably, Due to the nature and volume of legacy investigation branches caseload, we are unable to say when this review will commence. A 63-year-old man allegedly targeted teenagers for sexual assault on a Lurgan street, the High Court heard. Prosecutors claimed Raymond Fitzpatrick fondled and then tried to kiss a boy he encountered in Lurgan and also directed unwanted attention towards a girl in the same group of friends, saying her loved her, it was contended. Fitzpatrick, with an address at Waring Street in Belfast, denies charges of sexual assault and attempted sexual assault in connection with the January 15th incident. A Crown lawyer said police were initially informed a woman had been approached in the William Street area by a man who put his hand towards his crutch and asked if she was preggers. Officers were then alerted to complaints from a nearby group of 14 and 15-year-olds. One boy claimed a man had put an arm around his shoulder, touched his buttock and attempted an embrace. A girl stated the stranger took her face in his hands and declared, I love you, you look so pretty. Fitzpatrick was confronted about the incidents and squared up to the group of friends before leaving in a taxi, according to the prosecution. He later went to a police station and accepted having been in Lurgan, but denied all allegations against him. Opposing his bail application, the lawyer disclosed that Fitzpatrick was being investigated for other similar suspected offences. He may be living in a hotel with no control about whether young people also reside in those premises, she added. Defence counsel Alan Blackburn argued that his client had indicated he was not guilty and should be released. The danger here is he would serve more time on remand than he would be sentenced to if convicted, the barrister stressed. Adjourning the case, Mr Justice Rooney explained it would allow further attempts to obtain a suitable address. The judge also suggested one of Fitzpatrick's relatives would have to put up at least £1,000 in cash to secure his release. I've got some alleged representatives here from local government and it says update due on lease of sports facilities to clubs. Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavon Borough Council's Leisure and Community Services Committee is to receive an update on the progress of plans to lease council sport facilities to local clubs at its meeting in March. At February's committee meeting, Alderman Garth Wilson noted a number of clubs were denied access to certain funding opportunities because the agreements are not in yet place. The council's head of estates and asset management confirmed the process was ongoing and told the chamber 
A detailed update could be provided in March. Health Minister Robin Swan has issued a direct plea to his Stormont colleagues to find a way to agree a budget to help resolve the crisis in the health service. His appeal came as a leading surgeon warned the health service stood at a crossroads moment with a mountain to climb. A plan is in place to tackle the problems. If the right mix of investment and political support can be secured, according to Mark Taylor, a consultant at the Royal Victoria Hospital and the Northern Ireland Director of the Royal College of Surgeons. Mr. Mr. Taylor sounded the warning after the severity of the crisis was underscored by statistics from Mr. Swan's department. The figures showed around a quarter of Northern Ireland's entire population was now on some form of hospital waiting list for surgery, treatment or just to see a consultant for the first time following a referral. Sinn Féin's John O'Dowd has welcomed the announcement of a freeze in fares on Translink buses and trains. Given that ordinary people and working families continue to feel the pressure of rising living costs, said the Upper Band MLA, this will ensure they face no additional cost when travelling. It's important that every effort is made to tackle the cost of living crisis and keep money in people's pockets. Public transport must be accessible to both urban and rural communities. This includes investment in a, sense in a central rail link in Craigavon, which would make public transport more attractive to many and take traffic congestion out of our towns. The planned increase in national insurance due to come in in April needs to be reversed as it will hit lower income workers and small businesses hardest. There is also the planned change in how red diesel is used, which will badly impact on businesses here, particularly in the face of further rising fuel prices. As workers, families and businesses are facing unprecedented rising costs, the British government cannot sit on its hands and adopt a business-as-usual attitude. There is an imperative for it to act to support people now. The DUP has said a budget to tackle the Northern Ireland health crisis should be set by a new executive, as the party criticised draft proposals currently on the table. DUP MLA Deborah Erskine, who sits on the Stormont Health Committee, called for a programme of reform rather than recrimination in a statement issued by her party's press office following Health Minister Robin Swan's recent press conference. Sinn Féin's Upper Ban MLA John O'Dowd, meanwhile, said claims by the DUP that they had a plan to fix the health service were ludicrous and not grounded in reality. Ms Erskine said there is no budget because the finance minister failed to get a single other party to agree his draft budget. It should be for a new executive to set a budget. The draft Sinn Féin budget delivered more money for the health service but would have removed Invest NI's ability to attract jobs, force the police to reduce the number of officers and reduce the number of teachers in our schools. The health service needs a long-term budget, but it also needs a long-term plan to train more doctors, more 
GPs, more nurses and reform our domiciliary care shambles. Money without a plan will, for reform will not work. The refusal, refusal of London and Brussels to deal with the protocol is why there is no First Minister. For three years, Sinn Féin denied the people of Northern Ireland a health minister, a budget or any efforts at reform. Mr O'Dowd said the claims were indicative of a party out of touch and in denial of the damage and the consequences of its reckless decision to collapse the executive. He added, the DUP walked out of the executive and are blocking a three-year budget that would recruit more doctors and nurses, tackle waiting lists, fund cancer and mental health services and transform health. They are putting their own selfish electoral interests over the needs of ordinary people and our health service. They should get back to work and ensure that health workers have the resources needed to tackle the huge pressures across our hospitals, emergency rooms, our GP surgeries and the entire healthcare system. MLA Kelly welcomes news of bus and train station defibrillators. SDLP Upper Ban MLA Dolores Kelly has welcomed the installation of defibrillators at bus and train stations across Northern Ireland. Infrastructure Minister Nicola Mallon announced 134 defibrillators would be installed at more than 80 locations, including Lurgan, Craigavon and Moira. Alliance Councillor Oin Tennyson says the party's launch of its Making Health and Social Care Fighting Fit document shows health and well-being is its number one priority. Transformation is about more than reform of the administration of health and social care in Northern Ireland, he said. It must involve root and branch reform of how every department relates to issues affecting health and well-being and how we all as citizens think of them. This is about making health and well-being central to everything we do. Instead of constant gridlock and, and diversion, what we are presenting is a positive vision for change in line with established international best practice, focusing on the patient experience, population health, reducing error and better conditions for staff. Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavon Borough Council's planners are currently considering a listed building application seeking approval to repair Guildford Castle. A Victorian Scots baronial style house dating back to around 1865, the property, built of Portland stone and Scrabo sandstone, stands on a site occupying around 207 acres. During the Second World War, the grounds of Guildford Castle housed camps for American, Belgian and British soldiers. In 2006, plans for a 25 million golf course development on the site were turned down by the planning service. At present, the main castle has 13 bedrooms, 8 reception rooms and 3 kitchens. It has 3 full and 11 partial bathrooms. The castle also has turrets, a conical roof and bay windows. There are also a number of additional period details, 
such as marble and oak fireplaces, columns, decorative mouldings on the ceiling and a stained glass window. Now an application has been submitted by Agent Alistair Coy Architects on behalf of applicants Adrian and Robert Moffat to restore the historic fabric of the main house located at 5 Banbridge Road. Permission is sought to undertake structural repairs and create a new structural opening in the kitchen, work on existing fireplaces, create new window openings and alter windows. The work will also see a new laylight installed in the main hall and modifications to the existing laylight, works to the existing roof lantern and laylight in the billiards room as well as work on the internal floor and wall finishes. The castle's internal spaces will also be remodelled and provision will be made for a wheelchair accessible bedroom, a new glazed corridor and the internal doors will be upgraded for increased fire resistance and the installation of a sprinkler system throughout the main house. Also included within the proposals are plans to create a new ground floor installation, septic tank and drainage proposals. Finally, permission is also sought to establish a demountable plant room to be located in vegetation to the east of the house, which will be screened with timber boarding and fencing. An ABC Council committee has called on the Department for Communities to continue charging a reduced fee for entertainment licences. In a report to the Local Authorities Environmental Services Committee, Head of Environmental Health explains that as of March 2021, the Department of Communities introduced an amendment to the licensing fee structure to introduce a nominal fee of £1 for a new application for all categories of entertainment licence with effect from April 6th. This fee was reduced as a temporary measure as part of support measures to the hospitality industry as a result of COVID-19 restrictions. It is anticipated that full entertainment activities should take place in 2022-23 renewal period, but officers explained it was unclear if all venues would operate and return to the provision of entertainment seen before the pandemic. The number of applications for entertainment licences from April 1st, 2021 to date is at 15% of the number recorded pre-pandemic. Officers also estimate the reduction in entertainment licensing fees to £1 in 2022-23 would have the potential loss of income to the Council of £45,000. But it is anticipated that financial support to date and further support anticipated from the Department of Communities for the loss of income will cover for any continued fee reduction. Seconded by Councillor Jill McCauley, Alderman Stephen Moutray proposed the Council take the view that the reduction should be extended for the 2022-23 period. MLA welcomes progress on school start flexibility legislation. Sinn Féin Upper Band MLA John O'Dowd recently welcomed progress on legislation for a flexible school starting age, giving families of young children a choice to, de- to delay their starting year. This will benefit many children and families, he said. Not every child that is young for their year will need to defer but it's important for families to have that choice 
to make a decision that is the best interests of their child. When I was Minister of Education, I started the process of introducing similar legislation, but unfortunately, it was simply not possible to complete the process in the time left in that mandate. I want to pay tribute to all those families and groups who have campaigned since to secure these important changes. Northern Ireland's hospital system has been over capacity since April. With more patients than beds every day for around 10 months. Figures from the Department of Health, published recently, showed there were 200 plus patients more than the hospital system could cope with. The Department of Health has, throughout much of the pandemic, published statistics each day detailing the number of patients and the capacity of the hospital system. The service was listed as overcapacity for the first time during the pandemic back in autumn 2020, but recovered after virus admissions peaked in January last year. Pressures began to increase again after spring last year and have not come back down. Council planners are considering a planning application to bring 40 homes to Drumnagoon Road, Craigavon. Lodged by Doherty Architectural Services on behalf of Windsor Developments, the application is for 40 homes at lands 50 metres north of numbers 48, 50, 52 and 56 Drumnagoon Road. The development would include a mix of detached and semi-detached properties in nine different house types. The application's neighbourhood consultation period will expire on Wednesday, March the 9th, and its standard consultation period will expire on Tuesday, March the 15th. Deaths in the community. Ferris, Knee Woods. Nan called home 1st of March 2022. Peacefully in hospital, beloved wife of the late Roland, dear mother of the late Mandy, loving sister of Betty and the late David, Norman, Eiling and Mooring. Fur funeral from her home, 85 Duramo Drive, Portadown, has taken place to St Columbus Parish Church, followed by internment in Kernan Cemetery. Hamilton, William Richard, late of Whitesides Hill, Tandragee, called home 19th of February 2022, greatly missed by his sister Dot, nephew Roy and family. Morrison Sanderson, 26th of February 2022, suddenly at home. Sharon, dearly loved wife of David, Alexandra, Gardens, Portadown and dear mother of David and Tammy. Funeral service has taken place in the old meeting house, followed by private cremation. Vagel, Nee Ramsey, late of Kernan, Portadown. Abigail Jane, 22nd of February 2022, peacefully at hospital in New York, USA, in her 92nd year. Much loved sister of Anna, Claire, Edgar, and the late Josephine, Jim, and Alfred. Sadness at death of Crazy Kenny. One of Portadown's true characters, DJ Crazy Kenny Craig, who spent a lifetime entertaining the public, has died suddenly. 
Crazy Kenny, who was age 61, was found dead at his home in Seagull Park on Sunday night. Since his niece, Ashley Gregg, announced the news on Monday, there has been an outpouring of grief and shock across the community. Kenny Gregg was well known across County Armagh and beyond for his unique style and entertainment. He was known for his amazing vehicles, including a Blues Brothers car and was a top DJ with his roadshow and the go-to guy for major events in the area for decades. He, was all, he, he also was in the band Crafty Jacks, which were legendary in the 1980s. His kindness showed no bounds and he regularly took no fees for charity gigs and helped publicize and raise money for countless charity, charities lo locally. Kenny is the son of Robert and Emma and brother of Lorraine, Roy, Davy, Trevor, Heather, Thelma, Leslie and Andrew, as well as a much uncle. Kenny's funeral service will be held on Monday at 2 p.m. in Columbus Parish Church, followed by a private committal. The house is strictly private. An avid rugby and cricket fan, David Matthews' sudden death in Dublin recently came as a huge shock and great sadness. A former rugby player, David was aged 60 years old when he died suddenly at Blackrock Clinic on February the 15th. The funeral for David James Matthews was from his home at Listnershire Road, Donnacloney, on Sunday, February the 20th, for service at Donnacloney Presbyterian Church, followed by interment in Lurgan Cemetery. He is mourned by his wife Pamela, sons Brett and Ben, and brothers Brian and Raymond and wider family circle. The family have asked for family flowers only. Donations, if desired, may be made for Northern Ireland chest, heart and stroke and care of Malcolmson's Funeral Service, 7 Robert Street, Lurgan, BT 66 8 B.E. Tributes flooded social media as news of his untimely death was revealed. Portadown Rugby Club said, It was great sadness that we report on the passing of our dear friend Davy Matthews, known to all as Davy Matt or just Matt. He truly was a larger-than-life figure. Donna Cloney Mill, Mill Cricket Club said, Donna Cloney Mill uh, Cricket Club has been saddened to hear of the sudden death of our friend and member Davy Matthews. Davy was a keen supporter of the club and enjoyed many an afternoon watching the club's matches at all levels. Our sincere condolences to his family at this sad time, especially to his brother Remy and nephew Ryan. Pollock Park Sport said, We are absolutely devastated to learn of the sudden passing of former rugby player and friend David Matthews. Spirit of 2014 Glenavon Supporters Club said, David absolutely, absolutely adored the Spirit and the Glenavon Football Club 
but nothing took more love and pride than what he had for his family. An absolutely an absolute gentleman. He will be sorely missed. We will endeavour to keep Davy's spirit alive for as long as we stand ourselves within the terraces and offer our full support to his family. Now, information and events in the community. There's a photograph showing Councillor Mark Baxter presenting the Best Agri-Food Business Award at this year's Armagh, Banbridge and Craigavon Business Awards to joint winners Armagh Cider Company, that's Peter McKeever, and Long Meadow Cider, that is Esther Paul. There are two companies that are renowned for their role in the borough's rich agri-food sector. Both produce world-class drinks and play an important role in the local economy. Charlene MacDonald and Ellen Lennon presented a cheque for £1,615 to Suicide Prevention and Self-Harm Charity, Pips Hope and Support, in memory of Patrick Lennon. Charlene organised a darkness into light in Lurgan in Patrick's remembrance and generated awareness and funds for Pips to assist the delivery of the charity services across the Upper Ban area. Pips Hope and Support thank Charlene, Ellen, the Lennon family and everyone who donated, took part and supported the family in any way. MP to host family benefit surgeries. DUP MP Carla Lockhart is to host three surgeries on family child care benefits in conjunction with employers for child care, first in Lurgan 31 to 33 Queen Street on March 10th. The others will be in Portadown YMCA Jervis Street on March 24th and Bambridge Old Town Hall on March 31st. Each will run from 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. individual sessions, last 20 minutes and need to be booked in advance on 028-3831-0088 or via carla.lockhart.mpparliament.uk. The free sessions are open to parents working or thinking of going back to work who have dependent children. I know many families struggle with childcare costs and the daily cost of living, says Ms Lockhart. Come along and speak with the professionals who will be able to guide you and answer all your questions with regards to the support available. Employers for Child Care Benefits Advice Jurors will be available to provide free and confidential con- con- advice. Now we're at Sport, Irish League, Portadown 1, Warren Point Town, nil. Harry Anderson on Saturday became the latest product of Portadown's youth system to make his mark this season at first-team level. Despite the influx of outside signings, many of the club's highlights in the inner season, dominated by lows, have been provided thanks to internal assets. Alongside the rise of Rhys Jordan and Harry Murphy, plus Oisin Conaty's equaliser against Glen Torren for a first point under Paul Doolan's management, fans can add Anderson's name. Anderson's goal at Shamrock Park on his first league start since her return home last summer 
helped to secure a first win for Doolan since his arrival last month and third win of the club's campaign, completing the maximum haul from meetings to date with Warren Point. The 19-year-old striker is back in Ports, in Ports Red, having left the youth section for Portadown Smooth Blue in 2019. After a wait until the 29th game of the Premiership campaign for a starting spot, Anderson is hoping to build on that magic moment with a big finish after a slow start this season. It was a big goal in the context of the season that now puts us five points clear of Warren Point, said Anderson. All of us were up for it right before the game and Michael Roddy, who's the captain, gave a good talk. Gary Hamilton's gutsy Glenavon led on two occasions during their weekend clash with Glentoran at Mournview Park, but a hat-trick from tormentor-in-chief Conor McManaman and a classic finish from Jay Donnelly saw the visitors to a 4-2 victory. Goals from Matthew Snoddy and Peter Campbell twice gave the Lurgan Blues the lead, but the hosts had no answer to the predatory instincts of McMenamin, who took Mick McDermott's boys back to the top of the Danske Bank Premiership table. It was another message of intent from the trophy-hungry East Belfast side. They haven't had their hands on the Gibson Cup since 2009. Glenavon boss Hamilton reckons his team, still hoping to nudge into seventh place in the league table, were a little naive in the latter stages of the game, and this cost them. The first of this season's Nutty Crust group stage games got underway in the Nutty Crust Under-18 tournament under floodlights at a cold but dry Chambers Park when Portadown Under-18 team played the Enniskillen Under-18 team on Monday evening. The Portadown team recorded a well-contested 29-19 victory with the scoreboard having read 17-7 in their favour at the break. A sizeable crowd had gathered to watch an entertaining game which featured quite a few talented players on both teams. The Portadown team started the game in a positive mood and dominated both territory and possession, scored for long periods of the first half. They scored three first-half tries through Jamie Hayes, Jack Coulter and Kieran Peterson. With the aid of the crossbar, Tony Gribben was successful with one of his conversion kicks. The Enniskillen team, on a rare first-half incursion into the Portadown red zone, made good use of line-out ball just before the break. Their impressive tight-head prop, James Elliott, had to work hard before eventually touching down for a well-deserved try, which was converted by Ochran Clenahan to leave the half-time score reading 17-7 in favour of the Portadown team. The Portadown team started the second half strongly. A subtle offload from Jamie Hayes put Kieran Peterson in for an unconverted try to increase their lead to 24-7. The Enniskillen team responded positively and reduced the deficit to 24-14 when Daniel Cathrew combined with Cacher McCahill and James Ross before touching down for a try with Oshing McPhillips converted. Portadown then came back and scored an unconverted bonus point, 
through tr- bonus point try through Ryan Moore to increase their lead to 29-14. Once again, the Enniskillen team displayed great commitment and scored the seventh try of the game when Alfie Cooper and Ryan Beatty combined to send Oshin McPhillips in for an unconverted try. This left the final scoreboard reading Portadown under 18, team 29, Enniskillen under 18, team 19. As usual, with the Nutty Cross tournament, the players all received a post-match meal, which was sponsored by James Shewitt Meats, prepared by the staff in Flat Dogs Restaurant and organised by Ryan, the Flat Dogs proprietor. Ryan was assisted by Johnny and Matthew Wickham. All the players, as well as their coaches, received a nutty crust loaf on departure. Kieran O'Kane, president of Portadown Rugby Club, presented the nutty crust Man of the Match Award at the post-match ceremony. The Man of the Match Award went to Kieran Peterson, the Portadown Rugby Football Club under 18, number 13. The second of this season's Nutty Cross group stage games will be played on Wednesday, March 2nd, with the City of Armagh, Rugby Club Under 18 team playing Dungannon Football Club Under 18 team at 7.45pm. All visitors and supporters will be made to feel very welcome to attend. Football match banning order. A 22-year-old man has been handed a football banning order after an incident at Shamrock Park, Portadown. In a statement from the PSNI, it, it was revealed that the banning order was given to the man who has, not, who has not been named by police at Craigavon Magistrates Court on Wednesday, 23rd February. The order follows an incident of disorderly behaviour at Shamrock Park, Portadown, on August 27th last year. Detective Inspector Keith Wilson said, We welcome this banning order, which includes all football matches, and hope that it is a warning to anyone attending a match who may be intent on causing trouble that they will be dealt with robustly. I believe this will send a clear message to fans that any reckless, disorderly or bad behaviour will not be tolerated and that we as a police service will actively seek banning orders for anyone brought before the courts. We will continue to work with local football clubs, fan groups, the Northern Ireland Football League and the Irish Football Association to address any activity linked to people attending football, football ma- matches. Paul Doolan, who made history as a Portadown player in the 1990s, helped the club avoid an unwanted landmark on Saturday as manager. Doolan's glittering career on the pitch included the unique honour of winning league and cup doubles both sides of the border. Now having crossed the white line into the Shamrock Park dugout in January, Doolan is celebrating a first win as Port's boss, five games into his relegation rescue mission. That 1-0 win over Warren Point on Saturday rewarded Doolan with three points for the first time and stopped the Ports going across a league programme without home success for the first time in club history. However, Doolan had less interest in history and more on the future, as Harry Anderson's goal pushed Portadown's gap over Warren Point to five points in the drop zone battle, with four fixtures left ahead of the split. 
Nine of Portadown's 17, point, 17 points this season have now come courtesy of three meetings with Warren Point, two under Matthew Tipton as manager. Despite the significance of the result, both in terms of the club's past and present, Doolan was measured in his reaction. I don't get too carried away when we win or lose, but it was a big game and although the performances have been quite good, we haven't had the result. results, says Doolan. Different managers have different ideas. I just, want, I just know what I want to do and it can maybe take time. I think the results have been coming have been coming and first and foremost the weather was horrendous so credit to both sets of players I thought it was 50-50 the first 20 then we had a spell with chances but Warren Point hit the bar I think over the course of the 90 minutes we played a bit better so just delighted to get a win it's about getting the balance right and we changed the team again. I was up early today and we had a good discussion with the rest of the staff about our options. The players have been training hard and it's good now with no game before Tuesday week, away to Carrick Rangers. We've got extra sessions. With the goal, you could see Billy Steadman is not the biggest in stature, but technically good and that was his best since he come home here. In fairness to Harry, it was a, a bubbly pitch, and not everyone can finish in 1v1, but he did, and that's the main thing. Harry is still adjusting to coming back to the club from England, and sometimes they can't think it's the end of the world, but it's not and now he's at his first league start and first goal. Hopefully, that gives him a kickstart. He needs to be stronger, but he moves okay, is tall, and can challenge. We've changed the system to a 4-4-2, and the drive home will be a bit sweeter now, off the win. I'm just hoping we can now go on and get better. Portadown women had a great start in their rugby match against Offer women. They really kept Offer away from the try line and dug in deep to work together, showing some fantastic skills and playing a great game of rugby. Unfortunately, early injury saw the Bluebirds lose one of their pack, but nonetheless, it did not deter them. The women kept their fight going and inched their way up to the Offer try line, just falling short. Offer managed to secure possession of the ball and got their first try of the game after 25 minutes. Not to be outdone, the women got stuck in and played some amazing pod work back down the pitch with Jennifer McCall taking possession out on the wing and making a break for the try line, which she successfully managed between the posts. This was converted by Alan McMahon, 7-5 at half-time. Back at it, with the wind against them, the Bluebirds were ready to continue and get a few more tries under their belt. Offer upped the ante by kicking up the pitch, which resulted in a few more tries their end. The Portadown women played a fantastic game of rugby. They got stuck in, making some excellent tackles and passes. The women should be extremely proud of the game they played. 
Final score, 7-27 to to Offar. Portadown's player of the match was Jennifer McCall, sponsored by Clive Anderson of Clive Anderson Handyman. Gareth McAuley has applauded the unity shown by Irish League clubs as they continue the fight for much-needed investment in facilities. Clubs have shown a united front to make sure the long-awaited sub-regional stadia funding programme does finally come to fruition. Former Northern Ireland player McCauley, who made his name in local football before going to have a long and successful career in England, highlighted the importance of investment in the local game as it plays such a key role in so many people's lives. It's been talked about for a long, long time, he said. Training facilities, infrastructure, safe place to bring families, all these things, they need investment. The country's not big enough for clubs to produce that revenue themselves. They need backing and help. Moving on to the general news, Civil servants from unionist backgrounds who work on EU border checks at the province's ports or administer overall the Northern Ireland Protocol were challenged last Wednesday night to strike and protest against it. In an intensification of the anti-protocol campaign, a rally in Portadown against the post-Brexit deal heard calls for workers carrying out checks or implementing the EU monitoring system to down tools if they support the union. At the rally in Carrollton Street Orange Hall, loyalist activist Jamie Bryson said staff involved in the EU vetting of goods coming from Britain into Northern Ireland have a moral responsibility <clears throat> to disobey unjust laws. Those civil servants who value the union should refuse to implement the destruction of their own national identity, Mr Bryson said. During the speech, Mr Bryson sought to draw parallels between a potential revolt of unionist civil servants refusing to implement any further protocol checks at ports and industrial action by the Ulster Workers' Council that brought down the 1974 power-sharing executive. Towards the end of his, of his speech, Mr Bryson addressed the UK government, reminding them to take a lesson from 1912. Parliament tried to impose upon the loyal sons and daughters of Ulster a home bill. He concluded by pointing out in response, Sir Edward Carson raised an army. The demonstration at the Orange Hall also heard from TUV leader Jim Allister. In his speech, Mr Allister drew parallels between the violation of Ukraine's sovereignty by Vladimir Putin and what the TUV leader labelled as the pernicious processes by which the EU exercises sovereignty over Northern Ireland. Mr Allister described the customs checks brought about by the protocol as the very epitome of our colonisation by the EU. Referring to the UK government's tough talk over Ukraine, the TUV leader said, yet our government still fails to stand up for the restoration of UK sovereignty over Northern Ireland. Instead, we get endless rounds of talks with Brussels, but no action. He added... The constitutional consequences of the protocol could not be clearer. Customs checks denote movement from one sovereign state to another. The puts posts mark that on leaving Great Britain and entering Northern Ireland, goods are moving from one territorial control to another. A minute silence was observed to remember the late DUP MLA Christopher Stalford before the event.
a laboratory mix-up involving a single bottle of solution could be to blame for as many as 193 people getting the wrong coronavirus test results, the Southern Health and Social Care Trust has said. The Trust said test results for 193 people during a five-day period earlier this month may have been inaccurate. The BBC reported that around eight patients who, who likely did not have coronavirus were nursed on a COVID ward in Craigavon Area Hospital as a result of the mix-up. The Southern, the Southern Trust confirmed an investigation was underway into what went wrong. The spokesperson said, The Southern Trust has identified as an issue with coronavirus, that's COVID-19, the coronavirus test results with a batch of swabs taken between 11th and the 16th of February 2022. An investigation is currently underway. As a precautionary measure, all swabs taken between these dates are being reviewed. During this period, 193 people may have been given an inaccurate test result due to an error within the laboratory. Early investigation has indicated the issue may be linked to one bottle of solution used in the laboratory processes. The swabs in question are being reprocessed and we are contacting those people affected. All will be offered uh, a process, all will be offered a retest and we are managing each person's individual circumstances as required. A deep clean of the laboratory has been completed and full review of laboratory processes is underway. The Trust apologises for any stress the incident has caused and continues to work closely with the Public Health Agency on this matter. Meanwhile, Health Minister Robin Swan said there would be no change to arrangements for free mass COVID testing in Northern Ireland until there was clarity on what impact it would have on the spread of the virus. In England, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has said the current free testing programme will come to an end in April. Mr Swan said... While other jurisdictions are still working out those details, I am not going to move until I see the clarity as to what effects that will have. The generosity of people in County Armagh is overwhelming, says a Ukrainian woman who is seeking items to help refugees from her native country. Evija Kapeljua, whose parents live in Portadown, says she wants to do what she can to help those who have fled Ukraine since Russia invaded one week ago. Via says she is worried about family and friends at home and wants to do what she can in the crisis. Kirsty Gray of Satara Morgan in Portadown's West Street says she is also overwhelmed at the generosity of local people. She put the word out she was gathering essentials to take to the Ukrainian-Polish border and her shop has been stacked full of goods. 
We had to get extra storage space, which was kindly given to us for free, said Kirsty. She revealed that she is a Polish girl working for her who is currently visiting her homeland. It is close to the Ukrainian border, and she said there are lots of refugees arriving in her village, said Kirsty. Hope Charity Shop at 99 Union Street, Lurgan, has been working directly with people in southern Ukraine for 24 years. It is currently accepting financial donations and donations of furniture and clothing, which will be sold to raise funds or ongoing support of the people there. The contact is 028-3834-5928. Local haulage firm Derry Brothers Shipping and Derry Brothers Customs Clearance is organising an emergency collection of essential goods to be shipped from Ireland to a distribution centre close to the Ukrainian border in Poland. Smith Vehicle Solutions have a lorry leaving on March the 14th. The drop-off point is Derry Brothers Shipping, or Derry Brothers Customs Clearance, 130 Cloven Eden Road, Lockgall, County Armagh, from 8am to 8pm. Also in Lurgan, Mark Fagan, bespoke estate agents in William Street with Dan and Crafts, will be acting as collection points to send support to Ukraine. Extreme hospital pressure in Northern Ireland is likely to continue, the largest union in the health service has said. Unison Regional Secretary Patricia McKeown said the collapse of the executive and the failure to pass a budget to tackle problems in the health service meant we had the ingredients for it to get worse. Ms McKeown said the staffing pressures that, in part, had prompted strike actions by healthcare workers, including nurses, in the winter of 2019-2020, had become more severe because of the pandemic. We entered this pandemic with severe pressure, severe staffing pressures, she said. That, obviously, was a major part of the 2019-2020 dispute. The issue of safe staffing is not yet resolved. We had hoped there would be some legislation coming through in this Assembly mandate, but that's not going to happen now. The problem is we now have a combination of entering the pandemic without sufficient staff and losing people during the course of the pandemic. People also, because of the pressure, have taken early retirement or those who might have stayed on after retirement have decided to go. We are being squeezed from a number of areas. In addition to that, who is catching COVID? Several thousand people every single day. And you cannot send frontline workers in with COVID to look after vulnerable people. You just can't. On the current hospital pressures, she said, the pressures are immense. Safety concerns have been raised over a fire in flats in Portadown at the weekend. Upper Ban MLA Jonathan Buckley raised the concerns after the Cochrane flats had to be evacuated on Saturday night. Like many, I am extremely perturbed to hear that the fire alarms did not go off at Cochrane flats when a fire was reported at the building on Saturday night. It is extremely fortunate that no one was harmed in the incident and that everyone was safely evacuated from the scene. Ultimately, this is an extremely close call. 
He has contacted Arbor Housing Association, who explained that quarterly servicing and weekly testing of the fire alarm systems are carried out to ensure statutory compliance. On this instance, a fault was recently detected in the alarm system and a specialist contractor was required. I have now been assured that arrangements have been made to allow works to be completed. A spokesperson for Arbor Housing Association, which was formerly South Ulster Housing Association, said the alert was raised by an alarm sounding in the flat next to the electrical installation. All flats are fitted with individual fire detection systems. On this occasion, the communal alarm did not sound due to a fault which was logged with our contractor for repair, the fault having been identified during a routine weekly inspection. The spokesperson said that eight households of 12 people were moved out of the flats temporarily on Saturday night. The cabinet housing the electrical equipment contained the fire which it is designed to do. The following day, due to the fact there was no electrical supply, all tenants requiring alternative accommodation were provided with temporary accommodation to allow NIE and our contractor to restore power. No tenants needed to be rehomed and all tenants have now returned to their homes. No damage was caused to any of the flats and little or no external damage was caused in the communal space with the fire contained in the cabinet. The communal electric board has been replaced. At a sign-up of a new tenancy, there is a fire safety advice leaflet provided to tenants in their tenant pack, which the housing officer explains to the tenant. Safety signage and notices are con contained and throughout the building and these are inspected on a weekly basis. There are weekly, monthly, quarterly and annual inspections and servicing. A resident fire evacuation plan is on display on the communal notice board, said the spokesperson. Lord Mayor of Amma City, Banbridge and Craigavon, Alderman Glenn Barr, is organising a sleep out to help raise awareness for veterans who have fallen on hard times or are experiencing homelessness. It is to take place on Friday, March the 11th, from 9pm to 9am, in support of the RBLI Great Tommy Sleepout, a fundraising challenge on behalf of the estimated 6,000 homeless veterans in the UK. The Lord Mayor is calling on anyone who would like to join him, brave the cold and take part to sign up in support. He will be sleeping out in Bambridge with other sleep-out events, open to anyone who would like to take part, and plans are for Dromore, Rathfyland and Tandragee. The minimum donation to participate is £10. Equipment required would include a tent, a poncho, a cardboard box and a sleeping bag. And yes, the Lord Mayor will be providing bacon baps plus tea or coffee the following morning, delivered right to each location. TransLink has launched a safety campaign as it continues to test new trains on the rail network. Three walkthrough trains are already in service, with the remaining four due to enter passenger service by the end of this summer, bringing an additional 1,600 seats to the train network. 
A total of 21 new carriages are being combined with seven refurbished Class 4000 trains as part of the £64 million project, which is funded by the Department of Infrastructure. Translink's Director of Service Operations, Ian Campbell, said, Safety is our top priority at all times. Before the trains enter passenger service, they undergo an intensive period of testing and commissioning, which involves a day and night time testing across the network, and it speeds up to 90 miles per hour. This assesses each train's safety, safety, performance and comfort levels. With the new 35 million St Ronan's College in Lurgan expected to open in two years' time, the school, with 1,750 pupils, Northern Ireland's second largest, is planning for the future. Some 200 people are expected to be employed on the construction of the new college at the former St Michael's Grammar School site. And with the process on schedule, the approved contractor will be appointed by late summer and start work towards the end of this year. We expect to be in receipt of the keys to the new school before the end of 2024, said Principal Fiona Kane. The new build project team are working hard to shorten this timeline. The new facilities and campus currently planned for the college represents the largest single school project undertaken by the Department of Education. Portadown St Vincent de Paul member Ewan McCreesh is one of five newly ordained deacons. He has been congratulated by SVP Area President for Armagh and Craigavon, Brendan McKiernan. Brendan said, Ewan has been a very active member of St Vincent de Paul since joining the Society two years ago at one of the most challenging times in our history. We are grateful that he has been able to devote so much time and energy to SVP when he was also on a spiritual journey to become a deacon. We would like you to congratulate Ewan and wish him God's blessing as he embarks on this role of service in the church. Ewan, who is head of music at St Catherine's College in Armagh, began his diaconate journey five years ago with a year of discernment exploring whether becoming a deacon was something he should pursue. Joining SVP opened Ewan's eyes to the most vulnerable in our society. During a trip to Dublin to visit a composer friend, Ewan stopped on O'Connell Street and took a homeless person to a nearby hotel, paying for a stay, afterwards realising that this simple act was something that had brought him great joy. <coughs> Ewan is also a member of the Synod Core Group in the Archdiocese of Armagh, a global initiative which gives people the opportunity to voice their opinions and share ideas of what they would like from the church. SVP is an international charity and the largest voluntary charity in Ireland. SVP members in Northern Ireland work in all communities to support people, whatever their background, who are experiencing poverty and social exclusion, promoting self-sufficiency and working for social justice. Every year, SVP spends approximately £3 million to help those experiencing poverty in Northern Ireland. Last year, SVP responded to tens of thousands of calls for assistance from members of the public. If anyone would like to receive help from SVP, please visit www.svpni.co.uk or telephone the SVP Regional Office on 
celebrating and championing, championing the achievements of Armagh City Banbridge and Craig Borough's diverse, innovative and energetic business community took centre stage at the 2022 ABC Business Awards. <clears throat> Held in association with Northern Ireland's leading energy company and associate sponsor, Power Northern Ireland, and hosted by presenter Sarah Travers. The Gala Black Tie event took place on Thursday, February the 24th in the Seagull Hotel, Portadown. <clears throat> Celebrating success across a wide range of corporate and consumer-focused categories, honours, included Best Hospitality Business, Innovation, Social Enterprise Business, Business Growth, and Excellent in Manufacturing and Customer Service as well as the prestigious Sir Alan Maclay Young Business Person Accolade. The awards night also included accolades for Best New Business, Best Family Business, Best Apprentice Employer, Best Place to Work, Best Agri-Food Business, Best Trans- Transport and Logistics, and the Commitment to s- Sustainability and Responsible Business Award. Covering all corners of the borough, winners on the night included Construct Tuition, Erwin m and <clears throat> at the Bridge, Alternative Heat, Max Life Gym, Incredible Incorporating in- Incredible Enterprises, Donaghy Shoes, Almac Group, Home Instead, Ama Cider Company, Long, Me- Long Meadow Cider, and Manfred Limited. Bill McAtamney from Azil Racking and Shelving scooped the prestigious Sir Alan Maclay Young Business Person Award, while Marid Mackle, MBE, founder and chief executive officer of Terrazas Enterprises, was bestowed the Business Ambassador Award on the night. Lord Mayor Alderman Glenn Barr commented, On behalf of the Council, I would like to extend my heartfelt congratulations to all our winners and commend all the finalists for getting behind these awards. A number of housing executive tenants in Lurgan are having their homes modernised as part of a 532,000 investment. 83 properties at Killock Gardens and Leven Road are being fitted with new kitchens and bathrooms with extensive rewiring. The work is due to be completed by the end of March. A Portadown councillor has urged the community's minister to explain why bereaved families are still waiting for the introduction of the Children's Funeral Fund in Northern Ireland. Having first brought the matter to the attention of Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavonborough Council in 2018, Councillor Julie Flatterley said it was shameful that Northern Ireland still lags behind the rest of the UK thanks to its failure to introduce a fund to cover the cost of burying a child under the age of 18. Councillor Flatterley 
who lost her two-year-old son Jake in May 2015, said it is only fair bereaved families in Northern Ireland are given the same support, understanding and respect as bereaved parents in the rest of the UK and urged the Department for Communities and its Minister to explain why this is not the case. My Ulster Unionist colleagues are fully behind this, but it seems that the political will is just not there from others in Stormont to roll this scheme out, said Councillor Flatterly. The Minister for Communities should be explaining why we are still waiting and tell us when we can expect it to happen. Two years on from the new decade, new approach agreement, we seem to be getting nowhere. This is not about politics, this is about people. A whopping £12.7 million was spent via the shop local card in the Armagh, Banbridge and Craigavon areas last year. The High Street Voucher Scheme proved a huge success, says former Economy Minister and Upper Ban Emily Diane Dodds. Statistics just out reveal that more than £136.9 million was spent with the shop local card across Northern Ireland. On that note, we have come to the end of our recording for this week. Our thanks to the teams and volunteers who edited and recorded this week and to Mackles for collecting the Portadown Times and Lurgan Mail for us and to the Presbyterian Church for the use of the studio. If you are a member of a church or other organisation which invites guest speakers, please keep us in mind. Contact details are on our website, www.atnni.org.uk or email katnatn, that's c-a-t-n-a-t-n, at yahoo.co.uk or you can put a note in your wallet. Editing with me this week was Ken and our technician was Andrew. Reading with me this week were Ken, Roberta, John and Nathan. From the newsroom at the Old Man's, this is Patricia signing out. You can listen to these recordings through Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Craigavon Talking News. Thank you for spending time with us. All our good wishes for the week ahead. Our team will be back with you in four weeks' time. Please remember to return your wallet. Sound News is a Craigavon Talking Newspaper production.